counter sat a toaster oven scorched to a spotty black by a succession of frozen food brush fires. Surrounding it were cans of beets, okra, lima beans, and mincemeat, left, maliciously, he suspected, by a string of previous tenants. Scattered between them were a few condiments, mostly the kind that came in small packets as part of a carry-out meal. He opened the refrigerator. Except for a single can of Coke, it was empty. He briefly considered the vodka-cola combination, but knew that the soft drink would be considerably more valuable as an antidote the next morning. A search of the envelope-sized freezer revealed a single, empty ice tray containing only a spiky coating of blue frost. He fanned out the packets on the shelf and decided against adding the contents of a clear plastic container of earth-brown soy sauce. Then, noticing an almost full bottle of Tabasco sauce, he took it back to the desk and carefully shook out a single drop into his drink. After swirling it briefly, he could see that the vodka's color hadn't changed enough to affect its taste. Another four drops were added with some precision. Stirring the mixture with his finger, he sipped it cautiously. Then, gently, as if one drop too many might cause an explosion, he tapped in a sixth and tasted it again. It wasn't good. But with as much scrutiny as he allowed himself to examine anything these days, he reasoned that Tabasco would neutralize any undisclosed groundwater ingredients that the great state of Texas had failed to require Pistol Pete to list on his label. He fired back another mouthful. Although it had an old-fashioned medicinal repulsiveness, he decided he liked it. Unlike almost everything else in his increasingly disobedient life, the drink provided its own penance, something an Irish Catholic found illogical and therefore perversely reassuring. That was one of his favorite things about alcohol. Its slow, steady warmth never failed to provide a sanctuary from the endless drudgery of logic. At the far end of the room lay his border collie, its face evenly cleaved, one half black, containing a brown eye, the other side white, its eye a frosty blue. The animal's chin rested comfortably between mottled gray paws, Holding up his glass in the direction of the disinterested dog, Kincaid let his voice resonate with clear, unarguable authority. "'Congratulate me, B.C. Bastardizing something as inferior as Pistol Pete's handcrafted vodka has qualified me for permanent membership in the ranks of the great unwashed.' As if seconding his self-denouncement, the ancient black phone on the table next to his bed rang. If there was an upside to the decaying orbit of his life, it was that he no longer had to concern himself with the consequence of his actions. This, in turn, had a way of reducing all enemies to minor roles. And phone calls, all phone calls, had become enemies. Not once since moving into the motel had the device been the bearer of good news. It was the only remaining conduit between him and responsibility, the single, tenuous thread by which he could be tracked down by bill collectors, the friend of the court, the office, or any other group or individual to whom he owed money, time, or feigned passion. The phone rang a second time. "'Friend or foe?' he demanded of the border collie, which opened its eyes in dutiful response. The ears flagged momentarily until the dog fully recognized the echoing vowels as those of yet another of his master's sputtering soliloquies, which, the dog had learned, when accompanied by the smell of alcohol— required no actual canine response. Its eyelids slid shut lazily. Kincaid knew to answer the phone was probably a mistake, but any more that seemed to be less a deterrent to his decisions. 
In this case, however, experience had taught him that the weekend was normally a sanctuary from the persistence of professional pursuers. Besides, it could be about the card game. Maybe it had been called off. He picked up the receiver and spoke with the metallic, unrhythmic voice that people use to record themselves. This is Special Agent Jack Kincaid. I'm sorry I'm not in right now, but my hundred and eight minutes of paid overtime for the day have expired. You can reach me Monday at 8.15 a.m. If you wish to leave a message, I'll be sure to ignore it until then. Sorry, Jack. Uh, Bill Chapman told me to call and give you this. It was Tom Reedy, the Bureau night clerk. He'd been with the FBI for five years. During that time, he had used his employment to fund law school and had recently graduated. Although he hadn't taken the bar exam yet, he had already developed, or perhaps like many lawyers was born with, an attorney's ability to ignore all unprofitable cries from the wilderness, especially those of agents attempting to keep their office.